All right, you all go to withoutyourhead.com. I'll come over there and put my boot up in your ass. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by writer and director and actor Harley Wallace Wallen. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. And co-star of the return of Yan Birch. Hey, Ooh. how you doing today? Happy cool. to be here. Good. And you guys are both in Agramon's Gate, which is in select theaters and video demand February 11th. Correct. Yes. So. For people who don't know what Agramon's Gate is yet, could you give them an idea of what the movie's about? Yeah, uh, I think what we're trying to do is uh, through a seance, accidentally, uh, this medium lets through a demon who chooses to take the shape of the father uh, who was killed by the son who is attending the, the party and... Uh, who doesn't like talking about it and it's really uncomfortable with what happened since he killed his father. But this demon comes in play and it feeds off of your fears. So uh, as these people get more and more scared, this demon grows stronger and stronger uh, and it manifests and it starts being able to uh, physically impose its will and hurt and kill people. Mm-hmm. Now, Yan, uh, I know you, you guys worked together before. Like, uh, So how did you get involved in this yeah. film? Uh, yeah, we worked on two other movies, and and by the way, no, yeah, it's not a big deal, but it's yawn actually. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I think yeah, I did no the same worries, thing man. last time. I think I did the same last time. Yeah, you did. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. I remember. Right. <laughs> I thought I might as well tell you this time. Too. All right, all right. Uh, no, no, no biggie. Yeah, no, uh, you know, this is my third film with Harley, 
and and uh, coming from you know he knew you know a lot of my bigger films have been horror uh we were talking about you know doing a horror movie and then uh, uh, you know one day yeah. he just like he called me up in between films and said hey i, I think i got this really good script uh, take a read so that's that's how it started for me mm-hmm. yeah nope. Uh, uh, Harley, like, so, uh, when you, when you worked with him the first time, I assume you must have like some chemistry with them to, to have, to have Yarl on, uh, on Yar on, uh, your other films. Yeah, no, Jan has been uh, amazing. So, uh, you know, uh, it's been three collaborations so far and I'm directing a TV show that he's in and, uh, we're shooting uh-huh. another horror film, uh, in April that he's also in. So yeah, we're gelling incredibly well. Uh, and, uh, I knew with Agramont's Gate this was a great place because I needed somebody with a, a lot of layers uh, because this demon, when it comes back, it tries to kind of like uh, make you believe for a second to bring you closer so that it can so that it can come at you when your when your guard is down. So I knew I needed layers, and I knew Jan could deliver. So it was a pretty simple, uh, you know, cut and, cut and clear choice for me. Mm-hmm. How do you go about a, how do you approach that role, Yar? Playing, you know, uh, well, you know, uh, yeah, no, like, like I, like I, uh, uh, like I've said before, it's like, you know, for me, uh, when I first came over here, I was very fortunate enough. My first feature film was with uh, Roger Corman, Slobby Part of Massacre 3. Uh, my second feature was with Wes Craven, People Under Stairs. And then, yeah, I was a, you know, blessed to chat with Chuck Russell and, and, and all kinds of other fun sucker with Hans Rody and all. But you like, the thing is, with for me on any role, uh, you know, I, I I try to study it and try to research it and 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 see how I can bring my own personal personality into that character uh, or use what I have and then explore uh, different layers from whatever whatever the character itself is that I'm that I am not. Uh, but yeah, I have to say, uh, not maybe you know probably not just because of, uh, you know, the experience in the horror genre. Uh, and I guess we all have two sides. I have to say, it's, it's quite easy for me to slip into Ooh. that dog place. Uh, <laughs> Which is really interesting, I mean, because he's such a nice, good guy. Uh, yeah. And he gets scary. Um, yeah, he gets I, I, scary yeah. when he gets in character. Yeah, That's the one you have to is, watch out for. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, when I, get, when I get in there and I really get, you know, a lot of times I, I can't, like, for example, I did Essence of Echoes as a, as a serial killer with five personalities. And, and when I did that one, you know, I couldn't talk to anybody because I was, I was five different people on my own and they're all extremely dark. Uh, and so I had mm-hmm. to, like, keep myself in the corner because obviously, you know, even if I say it might be you know, somehow I slip into the dark side, it, it's still a lot of. It's a lot of work, and especially in the dark side, it's, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it could be uncomfortable for your own spirit, so to speak, or, or your own self. Like, it's yeah. hard to get out of it. It's hard, no, harder to get out of yeah, it, I should say, to than, than if, you, if you play good. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, uh, it, was it hard um, to, to direct in and act in the same movie? You know what? Not uh, Agrimon's Gate was was one of the ones that I did not feel that at all. I had a mm-hmm. a team in place that I'd worked with for a long, long time, so uh, it was not tricky because I trusted everybody behind the camera. Uh, that makes it easier to step off and, and act. Uh, I've been in places where it was not quite that comfortable, uh, so I totally know what you're saying. But for that particular film, I felt very comfortable. I had a very, very good team. Yeah. What should you pursue first, uh, the directing or acting? 
Oh, acting first. Uh, you know, I, I, I moved halfway around the world uh, myself. Uh, Jan and I are both from Sweden, and we both moved here and, and both pursued uh, this field. So that was the original thing. I'd had a, a, a recurring role on um, a Swedish, uh, you know, cult hit show, and uh, and I just wanted more. I just couldn't get enough. And uh, and I remember, you know, being five years old, telling my mom that I was going to move to the states and become a big star. So it's like the pressure was on, you know, since five. Uh, yeah. But that was absolutely the the reason I, I came all the way across. Uh, Jan, does that make uh, Harley a good uh, director to work with since he's an actor? Uh, I think so. I believe so. I mean, you, you have directors of all kinds, all kinds of directors. Some are action directors. Some are, are, are you know, uh, uh, dramatic uh, directors. Some are, are actors directors. And I believe Harley is right in that in that pocket. Not saying that he's not good in action or drama, but he's definitely an actors director. Uh, which is for me is first of all you got to really vibe with energy with the director. You got to really, in in my opinion, you gotta you gotta you gotta really feel comfortable with each other because if you're not comfortable yeah. with the director, you're not going to be comfortable in front of the camera. And if you're not comfortable yeah. in front of the camera, you can tell right away, right off the bat. So uh, the, he's he gives me a lot of or, or everyone actually he gives us a lot of freedom uh, and 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 some somebody like me with a little bit of experience, it's really nice because you, you know, you have your own take on it. And then, and then, but he still is the captain of the ship. So it's, it's like, it's not his way or the highway, but it's not, it's not either do whatever you want. It's uh, you know, I did, I do my choice and then he tweaks it. And if he doesn't agree at all, Holly, Holly has no problem telling me. Like, I remember on the, yeah. on the a movie eternal code, we had the one trip. scene where I oh. really wanted to put oh, some emotion yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. Uh, yeah, my read was very emotional at that point, but he's like, you know, somewhere in the middle, pull it in a little bit. And and I got to tell you, even after shooting his version, I thought my version was better. <laughs> but then, you know, then when the movie came out, you know, he picked the in-between. And, and actually, I have to admit, it really, really worked. Yeah. So yeah. I think collaboration is the key. But uh, but he's a very easy director. For me, he's a very easy director to work with. He's very knowledgeable. I mean, he kicks ass. And, and, and I also feel like we have that major comfortable feeling in, in between our, yeah. our abilities to work together. Yeah. So. There's, Is, there's definitely a lot of trust. Uh, I really trust Jan to come in and deliver. Uh, and, and, and I've been right so far every time. I feel like it's always a really memorable performance. Uh, and, and he makes great choices. And, and is capable of going through things uh, that I think a lot of people, it's easy to to get through, uh, but he goes through. And I think that's awesome. It comes out on screen, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, is Agramon based on any, like, real legends or anything? You know what? I read up on Agramon, and I think it is a fictional demon in all truth. Uh, mm -hmm. But when I read up on, on it, I got stuck with it because I love the whole uh, demon of fear uh, and the whole thing of elevating its strength through fear. Um, so I, I thought it was a really good fit. So that's why I stuck with it. And I, I don't know, it's a Japanese, uh, origin demon, uh, when I read up on it. So that's why when we see the demon in its own, uh, uh, look, we made it Asian and we made it actually 
a demon that became, and this there's a prequel to this that we ha- we haven't shot yet, but such an amazing story of how the demon became. That demon was a rape victim of a hundred rapists, and that's how it came into strength and how it became its own thing. And that's how she has this incredible power um, because the, it was a deal with the devil, essentially, to live forever and avenge that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so very cha- wild backstory and capable of taking any 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 uh, uh, form. Mm-hmm. And uh, Calhoun uh, K- uh, Koning, I'm not sure how you pronounce the last yeah, name. Koenig, so. Yeah, Koenig, uh, yeah. She plays that, the, uh, the Asian demon. The, yes, the original form of the demon, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what made her right for the role? You know what? When we wrote it, uh, when we looking up everything, me and Nancy were talking about a backstory because we really wanted uh, uh, Calhoun to play that role, in all honesty. So we we looked for something that would be fitting because it felt like the right uh, spot for something with her. And you'd get a little bit of that grudge feel to uh, using her uh, in this shape. So I felt there was just, uh, it just felt really, really right. Mm-hmm. Do uh, either of you have any experiences with seances? As a teenager, yeah, not I do. Seances, but, but yeah, yeah, my medium psychics and so forth. Yeah, not not ex- not really. Uh, I, I did. I'd actually. I went to Denver on a con once with uh, with uh, Christopher Moon. Where he actually did. Uh, uh, we were like a twenty-two people seance. Actually, all the guests on the con was there. Was oh, wow. uh, uh, sitting in a room, and and he had this ghost box. That the ghosts can add their, their frequency, they can actually speak through this box. And uh, I gotta tell you, they spoke through the box. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So, yeah. That, yeah, that was a, quite a wild experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't know for definitely I had experience with the, with the, uh, with, with the, uh, with the yeah. other side, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think another thing that's yeah. worth mentioning with this movie, uh, with Agamons, is. Uh, what really appealed to me was it's not a it's not a gore movie. I mean, no 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 offense. You know, you know I'm not saying that a, a horror movie with gore is wrong. I'm just saying it was a while since I saw a movie where that's more like a Hitchcock or 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 The Shining, yeah. where you you the fear drives you to to keep watching. You're actually afraid yeah. when you watch, and you have the scary scary aha moments, and you have you have the jump moments and it's, it's, it's like mm-hmm. a perfect drive in date movie. If, if we still had those theaters. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll, you know? you'll sit and, awfully and, and close it, to each other. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, 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 and it's one, you know, I really enjoy those films where you, where you, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen around the corner and, and, and something does happen, but not, maybe not that corner, but the next corner when you relax again and then yeah. smack. Yeah, uh, uh, I, and I sometimes think, even giggle. Know, Holly really did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, I think that's one thing that I really enjoyed playing with in this was taking you from a moment of where you almost chuckle at something and taking the tension all the way to the point that you're sitting there holding your breath on pins and needle, and then a a payoff, and then back to you know maybe tickling a little bit and then building the tension again. Because I think there's something really special when you do that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Harley, are you, were you always interested in horror movies? I know you make other kinds of movies too. 
Yeah, I make all kinds of movies, but I'm, I, I mean, I, I think growing up, you know, with, with the 90s being the biggest influence of, of my era, I remember the horror films and the thrillers were so incredibly amazing, anywhere from the late 80s till, you know, all the way through the 90s. I think that it is such a good job storytelling, and, uh, and the storytelling to me has been the inconsistent part in horror films since. I always feel like if, if we go too hard for the scares, we kind of miss the story. And sometimes we go too hard for the story and it's not really that scary. And I think those are the, that's the battle when you're looking at some of these films that are, that are coming out right now is do you go for the big bloody b- bloodbath, which is, has its own place, love it. Or do you go for the suspense factor? Uh, like, you know, Hitchcock says it's not the kill. That's the thrill. It's everything leading up to it. The kill is the death of the thrill because it's all solved at that point. So, uh, so I think that's the, the trick is how do you land in between where you have enough gore uh, to, to, to satisfy that eye uh, and then have enough suspense and build up without getting boring in storytelling and getting boring in character development. So mm-hmm. that's that, that, that juggle. Uh, Jan, when you came over to the States and you mentioned before, you know, you, you work with two big directors in, in the genre world. Were you a horror movie fan at the time or did you kind of get into horror because you were in horror? Uh, I wasn't really, uh, you know, like a dedicated horror fan. I liked all movies. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my dad was in the business too. So I grew up in the business and I, I was just like to watch, you know, I love to watch movies. So I was a little bit more across the spectrum but, you know, I, I enjoyed a good horror movie. And like I said, I was always a, a, a leaned more towards the ones that, that, that just has the fear and the scare than, than uh, the, the blood and gore. I mean, that, that just, just my, was always my personal opinion. And, that, you know, and, and that's another reason Agamemnon's appealed to me so much. But, um, no, I wasn't necessarily a, a you know, hardcore horror fan, but I really enjoy horror, making horror movies. And I have to mm-hmm. say, I really enjoy the horror community. Uh, I love the dedicated fans. Yeah. I, 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 it's a great group of people. I love going to these horror cons, uh, you know, across the world, really. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and meet these people over and over again. I mean, I have people that are flying all over the world for every single con I ever do. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. That's yeah. That's wild. I, I know there. Uh, are there any particular countries that um, you think like are more into horror than others, or is it kind of universal? It's it's kind of universal, but Germany and England is is, uh, is, is very very hot on the horror for sure, and Japan, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure all of them have some stuff, but but uh, those are at least those are the ones with the biggest cons normally. And, and a lot of people attending. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, shout out to one of our uh, longtime listeners, uh, Vera Newhoff, who's in Germany. And uh, I know through oh, yeah. her that, that, that horror movies are really big in, in Germany. And it's also weird because they also, a lot of the, a lot of the movies like don't get released there. They have to get like an edited version, but yeah. then they have to go to like Austria yeah. to get the unedited version. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite interesting too. And then Germany is still, Germany is still one of them countries that dub a lot which makes it uh, always tricky when you're selling. We've had a couple of films that sold uh, to friends in Germany, but a couple of these countries that still dub uh, mm-hmm. makes anything pretty expensive to transition into, into uh, you know, their language. Yeah. Now, along those lines, I don't think I've ever asked anyone this. Uh, do you have any say who does the dubbing? No, unfortunately not. Yeah. I can say that from experience now. We've had a few films that crossed, and, 
all they do is they say, send us your m and &E version of the film. And, uh, and uh, yeah, then we, we, get to, we get to watch that after it's already done. Right. You know, I'm sure sometimes it's cringy and sometimes it's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. So uh, how about casting Aphrodite as the medium? How did that come about? Really interesting. We had a, a casting call and uh, she auditioned and she was really good, but we felt that we wanted something mystique about it. So I went to her and I'm like, you know, I think, you know, Zeb and, uh, and uh, Vesna have to be interesting they have to feel like like they really have something so we decided on backstorying that they were you know from france originally vesna grew up in new orleans and was a, like a part of like french settlers uh zeb was you know french immigrant and uh and that's kind of the backstory we even had a backstory about the scar on the eye all the way through but we it was really interesting because we went a very backwards way to get to that because I just felt like the 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 film needed that mystique factor of having um, these uh, uh, you know mediums be very interesting. Mm -hmm. She does a great job. Were, were you always going to yeah, be in it? Fantastic. No, you know what? Uh, originally, I wasn't sure, and then uh, I thought I was going to play Killian because I felt that that's where we needed it, and then. Uh, Billy uh, Worth from The Lost Boys, who was supposed to play the role I played, uh, got booked up. I think he was shooting with uh, Forrest Whitaker <laughs> at the time. And I ended up uh, feeling like I'm probably the best person to grab the role. So that became really quick movement right towards the end of the casting process and the pre-production. Mm -hmm. And uh, a former guest, Laureen Landon, is also excellent in the movie. Uh, did you either of yeah. you know her before? Yeah, she had been to uh, I, I did one not. of. I did not. Okay. Yeah, she had been to uh, uh, one of our premieres, and I just really liked her energy. Uh, she's so sweet, so kind, and uh, and I wanted something very different out of her. And I think she she was very trusting too because she's not used to doing that. You know, she's a, a woman quite beautiful for her age, especially. And, and we asked her to, to scrape all that off to put her in a hospital bed mm -hmm. and play a psychotic woman uh, that was really daring of her. And I think, I mean, I honestly, the, Jan and Maureen won, you know, a few awards for this. And, uh, and I still think, don't think it's enough. I think that between the three headed monster we have of, of Jan, Maureen and Calhoun, I think that they could have had a, a few more feathers in their cap. Uh, I, I think they're impressive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like you said, it is brave of uh, Lorene to to do that role. I don't, you know, a lot of people wouldn't, mm -hmm. especially, you know. Yeah, uh, so very brave. You mentioned it won some awards. So uh, when it was at the festival run, did did both of you attend any of the festivals? I, I did. I was at the Motor City Nightmares, which happened to be really close to me, which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Uh, and it was it, I loved going in because I don't announce myself. Uh, I don't do Q&As after. I'm a fly on the wall, and I get to watch a true audience that don't know I'm around react <laughs> to my film. So that was it was an incredible experience to sneak in and be that fly on the wall. We had every seat in the house taken and people against the wall in a, in a U-shape, and I think all but three people stayed for the whole film. And this is at a, at a, at a festival that's also you know, a, a con. 
So, uh, you know, there's a horror con going on at the same time. And, and I, I like going there. And a lot of people, they just walk through. They step in, watch for 10 minutes and keep walking. And to have almost all of them there, along with the people who came in during, they all stayed. That was that was my pay. That, I mean, at that point, you know, write out that check to me and I'm a happy camper. Yeah. Jan, did you get to attend any of the festivals uh, that the movie played at? And no, I did not, uh, you know, but I might go to the uh, Vegas Film Awards here in March, April, uh, yeah. sometime it is. Because, uh, you know, actually, Agamemnon's won all kinds of things that I, I, I believe best film and, and, and best, yeah. I don't know about best director, was it best director too? Uh, yeah, uh, we've had best director, best film, uh, best scare. And it's funny because uh, best actor has been so many different people, both in leading and supporting between. Chris Riley, uh, Katie, Jan, Laureen, and, and Callie have been really cleaning up. I think Aphrodite got one as well, but it's been amazing to see so many people awarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan, yeah, uh, I was very happy to get the – I got the best, best actor in Vegas awards. That's what I was talking about. I was yeah. very excited about that, obviously. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yep. Um, have, have, what's that experience? I know you didn't watch uh, Agramon's Gate with, with an audience, but yeah – but uh, what is that normally like for you to watch one of your movies with an audience? Oh, I love to watch. You know, I love to watch it uh, because I like to see the, the the reactions, and I also like to sit down and get really into it and criticize myself a little bit. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to see like you know, if I might see things nobody else sees, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember it for next time. But but I, I think what what I've seen so far with this one, I've you know, I've I've seen it, but I haven't seen it with people. I really I really like the movie. And, and I'm very happy uh, and pleased with my performance. I mean, I'm not one of those actors like, you know, I always think they suck and, and they, in <laughs> right. reality, they might not think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I think I think everybody did a really, really good job. And, and I think yeah. it's going to be having a great, great reception on it. Uh, I mean, the hype is enormous right now in this film. So I'm Absolutely. very happy about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I know uh, we have our, uh, you know, premiere. Uh, in in a few days, and the response has been ridiculous. And I believe that right now we are uh, full to the rim, um, you know, with, at the premiere, which is going to be an amazing time. Yeah, where's the premiere? It's at the uh, Lumiere in uh, Beverly Hills. Oh, very cool. The yeah. arts, the arts theater, the the old music hall. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. We've been at the Chinese theater a couple of times, and to go to an arts theater, I think I felt fitting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm in Massachusetts, but I was in LA uh, in December, and I had a very good time. And as Ian mentioned, there is a, a really cool horror community that go to the, go to these uh, the movies. And I went to mm-hmm. the uh, the annual, uh, not annual, the monthly um, horror movie um, trivia night, and I had a good time. But I have to admit, I thought I knew a lot about horror movies, but not compared to the people <laughs> that attend. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're some obsessive people. I love it though. It's it's pretty cool. That's that's a real fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, man, I think I'm a fraud. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Right. Yeah, it's a very uh, solid, very. Yeah. Go on, sorry. Very solid, very friendly, very happy. Oh yeah, very fan base. Very, de- yeah. very dedicated. And very, very knowledgeable. It's, it's enormous. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely had a great time. So, uh, how important do you think uh, festivals are to uh, independent film? Oh, I believe it, yeah, it's the- quite important, uh, and, and especially nowadays when you have a little smaller festivals, or you know, a ton of smaller festivals mixed in the, with the bigger festivals. 
and 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 uh, you know like like yeah, Holly has experienced a lot and 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 everybody with this movie uh, you know they they the awards and the nominations pile up and it, it's really good it shows people that you are uh, serious in what you're doing and, and you, that you know what you're doing and 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 it will open up opportunities for all of us involved mm-hmm. yeah and and I also like building your uh, your your uh, your fan base to some extent and your following. And when you go to these festivals, you get a lot of the people that are enthusiasts and, and they watch the films and they tell their friends and, and you get enough people who really like what you do and they all tell their friends. That's the beginning of a movement. So mm-hmm. that's what I really enjoy is I, I, I love that groundwork, you know, grassroots type of movement because I think those are the things that, that really do amazing things where suddenly, you know, nobody knew you and then now everyone knows you. Mm-hmm. Now, did you um did you did you change the movie? Did you change Agamon's Gate at all? Like uh, as it played the festivals, or was it always that the final cut? No, we uh, we kept the same the same storyline. Uh, we were actually very close to cutting out a bunch of the first uh, portion because I felt a little bit of slow pacing, and I uh, and and it's a little bit of character development, and we almost started at essentially the demon getting let loose and uh, and i'm happy we didn't even though it was really tempting we were very very close to doing that and saying hey let's bring this down to that hour and a half type of mark and and have a movie that's you know easy and marketable and and uh and and the audience would completely eat up uh, and we gave them a little bit of a of, i think a better story um, where you have to be a touch patient at the beginning when you're learning what it's all about mm-hmm. uh is there ever is there ever uh like people that tell you to cut the movie down who would yes, want the hour and a half absolutely yeah we, we've had quite a bunch of that and i'll be honest with you for me if i sacrifice the story i'm not interested uh but if i can do it and keep the story intact uh, I, I don't I'm, I don't play favorites when it comes to, you know, not cutting people out of scenes and all that stuff, because at the end of the day, all of us benefit the most if the film itself does its possible best possible. So so uh, so I'm not I'm not scared of, of cutting it down, but I'm pretty happy so far. We've never been pushed to a place where we've had to sacrifice the story itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan, what did you think of uh, Richie's uh, Stan, who plays your son? Uh, I think he's incredible. I mean, I I, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed working with him tremendously, actually. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, no, I said right away that this guy, this kid's great. Uh, I'm, I was happy yeah. to, you know, I, he he gave me stuff to feed off, and and he, you know, he really, he, you know, the f- first time we met, the first scene, no, actually, right before the first scene we were going to shoot, he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, please, you know, get, tell me how you see me do, you know, this character in this scene." And 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 it was it was great because he right away showed uh, a, a trust in our collaboration uh, uh, mm-hmm. to get the best, you know, possible results. Uh, and you don't see that very often, uh, you know. Uh, it, it's very it's very very nice to work with people that are that humble and 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 open. You know, uh, for advice and and direction from from uh, or, or just like tips, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and to see how can we make this better? And you know, obviously, uh, in in the direction of Harley, but still within that, there is things you can do as two actors working off each other. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, totally. I like him a lot. So, 
you know, uh, Harley, so you, you know, you write the movie, you direct the movie, film it. You, you uh, I, did you do the, uh, your own editing? No, I don't. I don't do any of that. Uh, the tech side stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more of uh, figuring out a shot list and, 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 and the imagery and, and, uh, and talking about it and, and getting the cast and crew to understand the vision and then leave the professionals to do their professional interpretation of, of that vision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then it has the festival run and now, you know, we'll be having its premiere. So that's, you know, a long period of time there. It's assumed yeah. very close to you because you wrote it, directed it. And so like, what's that feeling like to know that it's going to, you know, premiere, you know, with, with an, you know, at the theater. Uh, well, I think that the big thing for me is the, is, is just to let it out to, to, to be, you know, to be celebrated and, and partaken with audiences to go through uh, everything that we did. Uh, this is the payoff where we all get to just enjoy sharing. I think that the beauty of art is not just the creating of the art, but then the sharing of it. And that's the, you know, that's to me is, is the, the fun part, even though I love the grind of making it. Uh, we get to sit back and now enjoy it. And, and for me, I view it very differently because I am so very critical and I'm nitpicking and picking apart everything uh, all the way up until I sit down with the final version and, and, and get to have that premiere. I finally watch it as an audience, truly watch it as an audience. And that's, that's, that's enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan, you've been a lot more active the last few years. Was there any reason like, uh, you know, you started to do more movies? Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, I've been here for a long time now and it was just, yeah. you know, like with everyone else uh, at some point or another uh, in whatever area of business or life, uh, I just got I got really bu- uh, busy with uh, with a company I started with rock and roll merchandising and I you know and I I started it because I had a little dry spell and then and then there was just the people that I usually works with wasn't they weren't making movies uh, you know they they uh, they were writing stuff and 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 then I started to just focus on uh, conventions for, for you know I really got into the convention scene and by doing that then then I. Uh, you know, I started the, the, the energy again of, of work. You know, I, I believe in, in uh, whatever you put out, you get back. So I just opened myself up for more opportunities again in, in the industry. And, and, and people that I, uh, people started making movies again. People that I, they, you know, that, that wanted mm-hmm. to work with me. And, and another really good thing that happened for me, actually, I'm very, very uh, humbled and grateful for. A lot of the people that were kids when people on the stairs came out, Right. Uh, all of a sudden, are directors now, mm-hmm. so that, that 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 worked really good in my favor. Uh, yeah. So I started getting those phone calls now about seven, eight years ago, and since then, it's just been going uh, solid. So yeah. very, very happy and grateful. Yeah, yeah. Did you meet some of those people at the at the conventions? Like, would they come up to you and be like, you know, oh, I'm trying to make a movie? And... Yeah, I probably made about three, at least three movies from people I met at conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know, it could be more because sometimes you meet people at conventions who talk to other people that when they finally contact me, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm not made, made aware of how my name came up, you know, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's it, it, it definitely in a circuit. And, and like I said, it was a bunch of 35 year olds all of a sudden making movies and they're like my favorite movies, people on the stairs. And it was like, that was a, that was a great feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh and, uh, you know, and then met Holly, you know, I met Holly here about, but three years ago now, 
and and, yeah. uh, and now you know this collaboration feels fantastically perfect. What is it? Two years? Oh, Harley. it was uh, for Betrayed. That was two and a half years ago. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, we're on the third year now. Yeah, and and I yeah. you know we I think we have something quite exceptional. Uh, you know, like I, I was like the first time I met him, I think the first time we had dinner and I felt this vibe and we are both Swedish too. left everything for this dream. And, and it's really, yeah. it really uh, makes you feel extremely close. I have to say, um, yeah, because Sweden is a small country, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very small country. And, and, and when you just pack your bags and say, see ya, you know, it's, uh, uh, mm-hmm. with, with quite a big dream. Uh, you really connect with somebody else like that, and then the more we talked, the closer I felt. And and I I, I think I yeah. told Harley on the first dinner we ever had. I said I I, I feel like we have a DiCaprio. I mean, this because there's a DiCaprio thing going on here. We haven't even made a movie yeah. yet, and uh, and and so far so good. It's just getting better and better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a fantastic relationship, and I feel that we were three films in, and we're still just getting started. And uh, and uh, and all the things that I believed, you know, especially with Jan, I, I haven't seen him get a whole lot of those amazing dramatic roles. And then you stick him in, in Eternal Code and Betrayed and, and have him play something very opposite of what a lot of people have ever seen him as and him mm-hmm. absolutely killing it. And then now in Agramont's Gate, putting him back where he is uh, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I just can't wait to see him, you know, in all these roles that I think you know, maybe Hollywood may miss their mark uh, when they didn't cast him. And maybe I get the opportunity to say, check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jan, you definitely have a lot of screen presence and, uh, you know, a great face for movies. Very, uh, yeah. very emotive. And yeah, it, you probably already know that, but you know, <laughs> who did, <laughs> you're very welcome. I don't know. It's not really a question, I guess. Uh, uh, who did the effects and like the makeup for the movie? Oh, Fred Mossman is my editor, and uh, he's in Florida, and uh, he's he's so awesome. Uh, this is a guy who gets paid big bucks to make high-end commercials all the way across the country, and uh, he has this passion for indies. So he he mixes in, you know, editing our films uh, in between all the big big paid work, uh, and obviously this is paid, but uh, on a different scale. He just does this for the love of the arts and for the love of making film. And man, he's good. Yeah. Uh, both of you had uh, contacts in. Uh, is that rough? Uh, it can no, be. I didn't have I've had contacts in this movie, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, you know yeah. what? No, no, no this one was CGI. It looked very good. It looked very yeah. good. I thought it was contacts. So. No, I mean, we, we both probably both have. I had on. I have a story for you on People on the Stairs on that. That was one of the first movies I think they ever uh, used uh, uh, contacts because it was not very common in 1991. And I had a I had a, 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 a professional optician on set uh, through the whole thing. Every single minute, every time I was on, he was there with his assistant because they were they were scared. Universal was a little afraid of using it, and they put these things in my my. You know, I had to go test them. It took like two weeks to make these things or more. And then uh, when they finally put them in on the first day of shooting, the optician told uh, uh, Wes 15 minutes at a time and then 10 minute break. But, you know, we're making a movie. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, uh, no matter who you are. So we started shooting, yeah. and in like 45 minutes to an hour later, I still had him in, and I really started, I couldn't, I, I really started seeing Foggy, and, and, then, and then I didn't, I, st- I stopped seeing. I mean, I couldn't see. 
So I, I told them and they, they stopped and it took these contacts out and I was blind for two hours. I scared the shit out of Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my, because the eyeballs completely dried out and because of yeah. that, I guess they, oh, but yeah. they told me afterwards was that the eyes had an emergency. The body is amazing. The body reacted in a way of shutting it down so it wouldn't hurt itself. Mm. So they, the optic nerve just shut down because it was too dry. Yeah. Uh, and wow. you know, and then you know, fortunately for me, it, it kept you know started going later on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I had a LASIK yeah. surgery years ago, and uh, uh, when I was reading, you had to sign this waiver, and you start reading, and it's like in, in case like they go to cut your eye and and like they lose part of it, you can't. And so I just stopped reading it because I was like, I don't think the odds of any of this oh, happening yeah. are, are really very good. And I'm just going to get freaked out reading all these things that might possibly happen. <laughs> but were you saying yeah, uh, Harley, yeah. sorry? No, I was going to say, uh, I did a, a, a film where I had to have the blackout contact. And that was interesting because, you know, it, when you're doing anything in kind of a high light and your pupil wants to widen, uh, that that hole is still the same small hole in the contact, and it's it's quite quite blinding as well. That's that is a a bit freaky when your vision gets really really blurry with those. And there, the the blackout eyes are hard to get in your eye as well, especially when you're not used to it. That took me a couple of days to get used to uh, putting big old fat contacts in. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound good. Do do you keep any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd want to keep your contact, but do you keep any of the props from the movie? I do actually. I I, I enjoy all that memorabilia stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I even what I do is I frame my my you know every film that I've done has had an original poster and an original name, and most of the time both the name and the poster has changed. Uh, <laughs> right. So by the time it comes out, it's not at all the same. I actually print the the original poster with the original name and put that up in, uh, in our basement where we're making a, a, a big movie room. Mm. What was the original name? Uh, Agamemnon's Gate was actually the oh, okay. name that stayed. But, All right. but much of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Betrayed was Artificial Loyalty. Uh, Eternal Code was Abeyance. Uh, 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 Abstruse was Into a Dark Mind. Enigma was taken over, so we've had so many things changed. Even Bennett's song was originally United Colors of Bennett's song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan, do you keep anything from your movies? Yeah, I do for sure. I mean, sometimes they 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 actually uh, the studio wants to keep it, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, whenever they uh, they uh, let, you know, I'll take whenever they they let me, whatever they let me take, I take. I mean, I have a uh, like two or three sets of vampire teeth, I think, uh, somewhere. <laughs> and uh, but I did not get to keep the contact lenses from people on the stairs. I don't didn't even mm. think about it until now. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> that would have been cool because it's one of the first ever made in a foreign movie. So that would have been awesome, actually. But no, I did not uh, have those. But yeah, no, I take and I get to keep clothes and all kinds of fun stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd have been cool. So there's so there's some CG in the movie, but I think uh, it's not noticeable, which is the best CG in a movie. There's a lot of practical effects. So uh, is that That's important right. to you to to use practical when possible? Yes, I love practical when possible. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's kind of my philosophy in everything, whether we're lighting a scene or we're using uh, some kind of an effect. Uh, if there's a possible way to to do it uh, live, because it also makes everything else respond to it live. Uh, 
and I think you know sometimes you know when you're when you're putting too much pressure on being truthful and removing too many of the things that an, an actor needs for stimuli, we cheat them a little bit, and 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 it's always nice when you can give them as much of the experience as possible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where did you guys film uh, the movie Agramont's Gate? Pontiac, Michigan was uh, 90% of the scenes for that one. Why, why Michigan? Uh, that's where, actually, that's where I am. I am oh, okay. Well, that's Michigan, a good reason. And that's where I shoot. <laughs> yeah, I have, I, have, I have incredible connections. So when it comes to the production value of getting police cars and, and locations, uh, uh, the community in, in and around Detroit is so good to me that it's going to take incredible uh, uh, you know, incentives to, to pull me out of there. Uh, I, I, we've, we've had this conversation, uh, most times when we have, you know, whether it's Jan or somebody else coming in, they look around and go, wow, where did you get this location? This must've cost an arm and a leg. And I'm like, nope, it's a connection. And, uh, and this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Jan, you said you had some experiences with, um, uh, we had seance at, at a convention. And, uh, so do you believe in ghosts? Uh, I believe in spirits. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know how far I go with good versus evil, you know, but uh, I definitely believe in uh, in another dimension or a transition to uh, something non-physical. That's for sure. Yeah, is uh, is that something uh, that's uh, that's uh, widely believed in uh, in Sweden? Sweden is kind of funny I, because I think it's li- so. yeah. What were we saying, Jan? No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Take it. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think for me, Sweden is, I don't want to say an atheistic country because it's been labeled as that, but I think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a believing in a higher being, and we don't need to define it so much. It's mm-hmm. a believing that there's something greater than us uh, that we have belonged to forever and that we always will belong to. I think that's the feeling that I kind of grew up with. And, and, and they're not quite as sensitive what you label it, um, mm-hmm. which I kind of like that we're not so forced into a, a corner um, yeah. in Sweden. It's pretty laid back. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, your play, do your movies yeah, play in Sweden? I'm thing. sorry, Jan. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, Jan. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I was going to say the same. I, I said I was going to say the same thing. Exactly, actually. You know, like... Uh, 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 they, they don't. They, they, it's not defined like this over here. But it's mm-hmm. it, almost. It's funny because people don't. A lot of people don't go to church, but they still believe that it's something bigger than us there. But it doesn't have to be defined as a religion, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we bo- yeah. we born into Christianity, so that's another uh, uh, yeah. oxymoron for you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> do your uh, movies play in Sweden? You know, so far we haven't had one sell to Sweden yet, uh, at least not as far as I know. I know we just had, uh, uh, you know, the AFM and, and the last quarter of the year, so it's quite possible that something is there now. But I, I was actually a little surprised, but then I remember back in Sweden is uh, Scandinavia in general. It's a very tight community. Uh, it's very hard to get in on that culture scene and and that art scene, it's it's uh, it's definitely a members only uh, kind of gig. Yeah. So uh, where can people follow Agramon's Gate? You know, so they can find out uh, more information when it's going to be released. Uh, 
Oh, absolutely. That's on uh, Facebook. Uh, you just uh, write in Agramon's Gate, and you will find us uh, on Facebook. And uh, uh, the website or the Facebook site is pretty active. And obviously, you can follow Jan, and you can follow me, and we will talk all about it. Um, I'm pretty uh, uh, engaging on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, maybe not the best on Twitter, but I'm but I'm on Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't use Twitter a lot myself. I know I should because it's, it's like just the future. Not conversational. But yeah. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I'm I'm behind. I'm way behind on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm on all medias, obviously. But it's I'm on way behind on Twitter, and it's 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 uh, because also the people I'm, I'm I'm close to that are on Twitter. They're on Twitter. They're on every five minutes on there. <laughs> right. uh, and it's just like, you know, I really don't have time to be on every five minutes on Twitter. Uh, I really like uh, Instagram is really growing on me, I think, and on everyone. I think that's a really good yeah. media right now besides the face, you know, the face. I think Instagram is growing tremendous. I mean, way more than Facebook at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, and I really enjoy that because it started with just pictures and now it's like pictures and people write things and promote things. And uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. A little story attached to it. Mm hmm. So you'd mentioned your yeah. uh, like a backstory to Agramon's Gate. Uh, do you think you'll ever yeah. film that, or is it too early to think about that? I I actually really think I would like to go that route because that original story is so interesting. Uh, it's, it's really funny too because that story really came about the most when I started thinking about how we were going to make these characters interesting and original enough, uh, and and where how we were where we're going to give them the origin. And that that created this whole story, and and, and now I, I'm kind of itching to tell it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, I assume, uh, Jan, you'd like to work again with uh, Harley. Oh, for sure. I mean, like uh, like Harley just mentioned, we uh, uh, he's got this TV show going uh, for, oh, yeah. and then we're doing another feature, another feature together here in April that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, oh so, yeah, uh, me too. I mean. You know, I can throw out one really cool uh, concept of it. I'm I'm a Viking warrior. I mean, oh, a Viking excellent. vampire. Sorry, a Viking yeah, vampire. Viking, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, Viking we, vampire. We, 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 yeah, we're resetting the vampire origin and we're making vampires scary again. I am I'm in love with this script. Brett Miller wrote an absolutely incredible script and story, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it could be. Uh, as trend-setting as 30 Days of Night. Excellent. Yeah, that's. I think that's the last scary vampire movie. You mentioned it. I uh, agree. I mean, yeah. it would be kind of crazy that we stopped there. So I thought, well, let's bring it back. <laughs> yeah. And if I, I think uh, Jan Birch, uh, a vampire, a Viking vampire, that definitely fits. That definitely fits you. Oh my God! Isn't that perfect? <laughs> yeah, that's very. It's perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, as a compliment. Yeah, I. I yeah, no, I take it as a compliment. I mean, and, and Harley knows what I'm talking about. Anybody says the word Viking to a Scandinavian person, that you have that, yeah. or, you know, the core, the core in you just feels good. It's like your ancestry. <laughs> yeah, it's like something you're proud of. And it's just like, that's where we come from. And then you add vampire to it, which I played a few times before. Uh, and I like playing a vampire. Uh, it's the best of two worlds. I can't wait to do this thing. Yeah. That's yeah, and our special effects guy is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, if you go uh, if you go online to YouTube, he's done a few of these um, the mask stories, and 
the imagery that they're doing with these uh, 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 outfits and, 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 and makeup and everything. It's incredible. And uh, the stuff that he has for Jan for his, uh, for his transition as a vampire is just amazing. It's, I mean, it's breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That has me very interested. And uh, I don't know if you can, can you talk at all about the, uh, the TV series? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's really funny because uh, it kind of fell in my lap. It's a story called Tale of Tales, and it's uh, you know it's kind of like an action thriller ish. Uh, uh, whether you're thinking of Breaking Bad or if you're thinking uh, uh, you know Ozarks, uh, but it's in that direction. Has a bit of Sons of Anarchy and some some of that crime element. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, a really, really cool story. They originally approached me to uh, play one of the leads in the, in the series. And I loved the character, but I said, I felt the story was a little light. And, uh, I told them what I felt that they needed to make this, uh, the series a little bit hotter. And, uh, and they said, love your ideas. So I started co-writing with Steve Capera and, uh, and uh, Tevis and, and we suddenly had this really cool eight episode script and I looked around and I'm like, Oh God, I have a role for, for Jan that I love. And that's Francisco. And, uh, it's a really cool character and it's a really cool story. Uh, it's, I play a, a, a strip club owner who is essentially trying to skim as much money as he can and head off to Jamaica or by himself a little Island. And, uh, and, and things don't unfortunately happen, uh, the way he intends. So uh, we get to see him trying to overcome all these challenges that come at him. Uh, and it's, it's as if he's always figuring out a way to solve the problem, but he just can't get away to Jamaica. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really cool ride. Cool. And, uh, you know, currently there's so many platforms for series. It's a good time, you know, to have a series. You know, there's all the Absolutely. different streaming sites. Yeah, I think this is going to do very well. I think... Uh, you know, we're, we're putting the main focus on a male click. And I think, uh, you know, right now, as a, as, as a planet, we are focusing on empowering women. And I love that we are doing that. And I think that it's a great thing that we're doing that because this playing field has to start evening out. But it also leaves a great void, you know, behind Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad, and these TV series that have now kind of disappeared. Uh, to introduce something that has all of that, uh, I think it's a great time. Yeah, very cool. Well, I appreciate both you guys coming on, and I hope people check out Agramon's Gate. It's going to be premiering soon. Select Thank theaters you. and video on demand. And, uh, yeah, it was great to talk. I dug the movie, and it's always good to talk to both of you. Well, my first time talking Thank to Harley, you. it's always good talking to Jan. And I'll remember Jan yeah, next time. Yeah. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, we had a blast last time. It was a really good show. And I mean, this one, too. I really enjoy uh, your shows. And I'd love to come on again, obviously, uh, right, uh, whenever you would like us. Or, or next time we have a premiere. Uh, yeah. You know, let's knock that out. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Ret- join us next week when Jan and, and Harley return. No, I'm just kidding. But, right. uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, but everybody should definitely check out Agamon's Gate. It's, it's something of, of uh, like, I, I see it as more like a classic horror movie. It's more like the, you know, uh, what, what, what you can't see scares you. Um, 
uh, I think people really enjoy it, and and we all had a blast. And I think like like everybody involved in it did such an amazing job, uh, uh, and you can see it in uh, uh, in the movie. So uh, I, agree. Uh, I think a lot of people enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, very strong performances for sure. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys oh, take care. Thank, thank you. you for doing this. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate thank you so it. much. Yeah. Happy to have. Happy. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. This is Sadie Katz of Margie Creatures, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by the returning Scream Queen action figure, uh, singer-songwriter. Uh, she's a subject of a comic book. This <laughs> all-around very talented and lovely Victoria DeMar. It's very good to have you uh. back. Oh, nasty. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I love that that's your name on your show, by the way. Nasty Neil. I love right. that. I was given the name uh, Ari Mahailov, named me Nasty Neil. I'm loving it. So I had to keep it. Yeah. Some people have tried me tried to have me change it. Why? It, I, I, I agree. I think it's perfect. It rolls off the tongue, Nasty Neil. <laughs> and the one they wanted to change it to was Sweet Neil. And I was like, that does not work. No, that doesn't work. No, exactly. you, can't, you can't be like, welcome to the station of deca- decapitation, and this is sweet, Neil. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> <laughs>
It's <laughs> <laughs> total failure. All right. Total failure. So I got to see the Hanukkah premiere when I was in uh, L.A. in uh, December. Yes, that was the first Los Ange- official Los Angeles screening of the film. That was very fun. So what was that experience for you like to, to see your movie with a bunch of people? Or is that um, old hat too? I sit in the very, very back row I and hide. And um, I don't want people to watch me watching me because I just kind of like to hide. Because most of the time, you don't get a chance to see what's going to end up on the screen. So you're just hoping for the best. And um, so I sat in the back with with Charles Fletcher, actually. Um He had walked in by himself, and so did I. I had actually just come from set. I I had pressured the first AD and the second AD AD on the production I was shooting so hardcore that I had to be out in time because I had to see this because I didn't see, like, the rough screening of, like, what they were working on the year prior because I was in New York working on another production. So I was like, okay, I'm in LA. I have to see that. And, of course, I was shooting again, and... I was like, I have to fucking see this movie. And they they got me out like 15 minutes earlier than I had like asked them to, which was awesome. So I made it and um, I just sat in the back and like my my heart was pounding so hard. I was literally looking on either side of me wondering like if the people sitting on either side of me could hear it because <laughs> I was just so nervous. Um, and I, I, I just didn't want to go down and sit with any of my friends and colleagues. I just wanted to sit in the back and just hope for the best. And um I was blown away by the film. I thought that everybody was outstanding. I thought Evan and Chris did an outstanding, phenomenal job. I think um, that this film is going to start a tradition um, and a chain of hopefully really entertaining um, Jewish slasher films and really bringing back what made the films of the eighties, the slasher films of the eighties. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is one holiday where there, there wasn't a, uh, its own franchise already, which is, which right. is hard, hard to find. Right. I mean, well, you know, we have enough Christmas horror films. There are, yes. this is the only, uh, Jewish horror film. So I, I, I'm, I'm beyond honored to have been in it. Um, it was an, it was incredibly dif- difficult. On, on my very last day of shooting, I had a complete break, breakdown. Um, uh, there were two witnesses. <laughs> Sadie Katz being one of them. Um, she made the mistake of asking me how it went, and I just completely lost it in the dressing room. But um, it, it it was it was amazing, and I was just I was just felt so honored and to to be in it, and just the way they had worked it my character through the entire film and i i just it's it started out being like a call like almost in the middle of the night from sadie like hey you were are you working tomorrow you know i you know i'm i'm working on this production and they need somebody you know it started out like that where it was like yeah i'm gonna i actually am bailed right this is great you know and it was was supposed to be like a day or two and it turned into so much more and um just so I'm just so grateful to, to be in in the production. I thought everybody was just amazing. I thought I, I, I sat in the back and was like, "Wow, I'm watching like a real movie." Like, not to say that to diss any other horror movies; they're all real movies. But uh, hopefully, you know what I mean when I say that. I, I've I've had the pleasure of watching a, a few of my films that have come out recently, where I'm like, "Man, I, like in a movie theater, 
um, where it's like a where it's like a regular like public open to the public screening, you know, where they're selling tickets. Where I'm like, holy shit, this is like a real movie. This is like like this is like a good movie, man. This is like a real movie. So <laughs> yeah. I felt that way watching Hanukkah, which uh, which was was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think like the term "scream queen" it definitely is like overused, but uh, you def you yes. really really earned it in this movie. I mean, you're this very you're very intense. Uh, the, what your character goes through in Hanukkah. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was. I one of the first things my colleague Sarah French said to me after the screening was, "Whoa!" She was like. Wow, they put you through the ringer with that one, didn't they? And I was like, yeah. you, have no, you have no idea, like what was going on, like behind. I, like so much that didn't make, you know, the final cut. You know, you shoot so much and so much and so much, and you, know, you just have to to pick and choose what what makes the screen. But um, but that there were there were there were a couple of shots that I, I was hoping to see that that it didn't didn't really see, and there were some other stuff that we had shot that that didn't make the cut. But um, but yeah, it was uh, I had a complete mental breakdown yeah. uh, after the uh, on, on the final day of it it was really I mean this girl really like goes through everything and you feel her pain throughout the entire film because she's kind of like a through line through the story of like what's going on and this craziness mm-hmm. this guy and this killer and that's going on and it's like and then it's like the present situation of like what's going on and then like they're finding out this like weird shit going on and it's like where the hell is this girl and then she keeps coming back and you keep seeing what happened to her and and starts out with her and and her boyfriend and then you you're finding out like what what what's happening to her and every time you go back to her it's just like it, it just gets more horrific where it's just like this, this girl, I mean, talk about a final girl, this girl w- would not give up. The, mm-hmm. the actual original ending of the film was, was her, um, a, on a talk show. Uh, I can say this because it's not a spoiler in any way, shape or form. The end of the film is, is entirely different, mm-hmm. but, um, the end of the film actually originally was her, <laughs> making it through and being on a talk show, you know, saying like, Hey, I made it or whatever. And then uh, pan over to, you know, the, the killer watching her on the talk show or whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. leading into, to a sequel. But, um, it it was kind of this thing where you're, you're just like, man, like she's still alive. Like she's still going, like (laughs) she's still trying to, she's really, she's still trying to escape. Like what the fuck? Uh So yeah. how long how long was your shoot? Do you film all those scenes like in one day or like over oh, days? Oh god, no, no, it was several days. Mm-hmm. I was there five or six days. It was almost a week, approximately a week. Yeah, no, 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 no. That wasn't that was over several days. Um that that was not all done in the same day. I you couldn't you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that part all in one day. Yeah. You mentioned a mental breakdown. So I you know, I even in my notes it was like <laughs> The, uh, I was going to ask, like, is it a role like that? Is it more physically demanding or mentally demanding? But you pretty much answered that. Is that is that normally the case when you play, you know, like uh, the victim in a movie? You know, I haven't played a victim in a long time, and um, and and this victim was special because uh, you know she didn't give up easily, um, and I, I just. Like after the film had wrapped or whatever, and I, I went right on to another production, which was um, a more much more physical performance. Um, not that the performance to Hanukkah wasn't physical; it was completely emotional and completely physical at the same time. But I, after the film, like I almost I I I I got really sick and almost like felt like I had to go to the hospital for like oh. exhaustion. And I was always like one of those people and artists that would be like, man, those artists who are like 
oh, they have to be hospitalized for exhaustion. <laughs> and, oh, poor them. And, uh, how, you know, fucked up they must be. Oh, they have to go to the hospital for a respite. I was always one of those people. And then after my, my role on Hanukkah wrapped, I realized why people say that when they're really just pushed to the limit, when it's just like when it's an emotional and physical drain. Because when you're working on any production, your character can be emotional or physical or both. And they are both a drain in different ways. So when you're doing both at the same time, it's uh, it's it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. And it's also incredibly hard to to decompress out of that. Like when your workday is done and you're going home. Um, you know, like to be like, Hey, be able to like kick back and like shake it off and like, you know, have a little downtime and relax before, you know, you study and go back to work. And it's like, when he, with a character like that, like the, the, the coming out of it takes a while. Like, yeah, you know, I'm driving home, still crying and having like a, you know, a total fit. So it's like, it's really, it's, it's difficult to play those roles. Is it difficult to watch afterwards? Like w- when you're in the back of the theater, I know you're hiding, but I think that's more people watching. But to, to watch yourself, you know, in that in that role, is it hard, or is it a different I, experience? Then? It it is hard. It is hard to watch yourself. And I, I I just hope that everything I do like plays and like like you know that it's like okay that it isn't like completely horrible where you're like that was just bad you know that was just like where you're like huh like and I'm always looking at that to see like how did it really come off and being honest with myself and you know and then you're when you're in the, a fucking huge movie theater and the fucking Chinese theater on Hollywood <laughs> yeah. Boulevard and it's completely packed and and you're like and it's terrifying I mean my heart was I was so fucking nervous and you know did, would everything make it in and like how would it come off and then you're also like I'm also always looking at like how do I look you know like am I disgusting and like am I supposed to be disgusting so like right. did I pull that off or like Am I supposed to look good there? And like, you know, how do I look and stuff like that? And it, and it, and it can be be difficult. I was, um, I, 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 for the first time in my 20, I've been doing this 22 years, but professionally 20 years. So for the first time in my 20 year career, um, at the pinnacle of my character's name is Amanda. It's not a spoiler. I can say it, um, uh, of, her, of what's going on in her uh, life, I, I, it made me cry for the first time in my life, my performance in the film, I was able to sit there completely detached and watch it like as a fan, like uh, holding my breath when my scenes are on, like, okay, how'd that come off? But for the Mm -hmm. first time was really able to detach and watch it. And what she was going through actually made me cry. It made me well up. So I, I, I I was like, all right, you did good kid. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, most of your scenes are with uh, Joe Netter who plays uh, the killer. Uh, Uh, what what was Joe Netter like to you know to work with as as the killer? Phenomenal because he understood that when you are going through such like hysteria and then you break for the day and then you come back to work the next day and you have to pick up right at that moment and go forth with, with whatever you're shooting that you have to start your workday in that hysterical life or death place. And that is very mm-hmm. difficult to do. And, you know, the audience doesn't know, you know, they think that's all going at one time or whatever and doesn't know, okay, well, they cut that, you know, well, they shot the end first and then they shot that middle second and then they shot the beginning here and they, you know, the audience doesn't know. So it has to play like it's all happening then. And so it's very hard to start your workday 
having a breakdown and Joe totally understood my process of it. Like I had asked the entire crew. I mean, Evan had made an announcement to not like when Victoria comes in and she's on set, she's where she is in character. Don't refer to her as Victoria when she's crying and freaking out and rolling around the ground. I had asked them, I said, please just leave me there. My safe word will be Eben. So if Victoria DeMar is not okay and I yell out Eben, then you know. Otherwise, I'm Amanda. Treat me as Amanda. If I'm rolling around, writhing on the ground, screaming and crying, I can't, boom, come out of that. And then for the next setup, be in that same place. I need to, to, to stay in that. And you have to stay in that because then in real time, that makes sense of where you're going emotionally. And Joe understood that. So he would. I would go into a place where I would need to get into that headspace and he would start coming around the corner like fully like in wardrobe and makeup and everything and like standing at the edge of the hallway where I was or the doorway whatever and like totally terrifying me and freaking me out and scaring the shit out of me and I was having this whole fucking dialogue with him like around on set as it was going on um like with him and everything like we were having like our own like thing because it like he understood that that's where I needed like to go or whatever and it's very um it can be very difficult when like his role is basically as the killer is not to react. And he did mm -hmm. a brilliant job of just sitting there like that where you're like, what is he thinking? What is going on? Like, what is happening? Like, like, like respond, you know what I mean? To what, uh -huh. what's going on? He has zero response and it's eerie as fuck. And that is mm -hmm. very hard to do. Um, it was, it, it was phenomenal working with him. I, I, we had an amazing time. I, I don't know that I could have done what I did without without joe playing that role yeah he's a lot of presence on uh, on screen as the killer yes mm -hmm. and uh you mentioned you know because i think sometimes people think like kind of like the uh the voiceless killer role could be like easy but uh when you see someone who's not doing a good job you realize it's not easy exactly exactly it he did it, 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 he was doing so much but it but it like it was understated in like the per the perfect way where you, where it's it was he was eerie as, as fuck man it was eerie <laughs> as fucking hell the the little the literal horror he was creating and had absolutely zero response to it whatsoever that is very difficult I so um <laughs> I had an amazing time working with him yeah so you mentioned Sadie Katz so uh, how long have you known Sadie Katz and by the way. You've now tied Sadie Katz three appearances on I'm Without Your Head. No, I got to go four now. Beat that right, bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I worship Sadie Katz. We've known each other nine years now. Wait, my math is bad. Eight, uh, 2011, 2012, we met eight, nine years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Sadie so and I met making a film called Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space, which unfortunately the production never finished as a feature film and they created a comic book out of it so you can go check that out actually on uh instagram twitter everywhere lesbian zombies from outer space is the comic book it's a hell of a name yes <laughs> yeah. so did you like uh did you like uh, bond right away did you form a friendship right away working on that oh absolutely we totally did she she's the sexiest lesbian <laughs> zombie that i have ever had the pleasure of, of working with and having a scene with. Yeah, we hit it off immediately. I, I, uh, I love Sadie. I, uh, I think she's amazing. Um, uh, she's real. She's honest. And um, she, uh, she lets her balls hang out. And I love that because that's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. Now, does that happen often where, like, uh, someone you work with, like, looks out for you? I, 
like I was out in LA briefly and everyone I worked with was very nice, but I think a lot of people think it's also very cutthroat. So uh, I guess, I guess, what is that like? Are are most people nice or most people aren't, or it it just depends? Um, I mean, that's a little question for me because I think generally the people in Los Angeles are just complete shit. (laughs) I've I've lived here for 20 years. Fair enough. Honest to God, the the dichotomy of the people that live in Los Angeles, in my opinion, are 20 (laughs) years of living here are just absolute shit. But um, in the entertainment business is the is the most horrible, worst business in the world that you could possibly ever choose to go into. Um, it, it is, it is absolutely cutthroat. People don't give a fuck about you. They want the role. They want the money. They want the part. They want the opportunity. Uh, they're hoping that you fall down and fail. They're hoping that you die off. They're hoping for it. They are. It's, it's like that. Um, there are no guarantees, uh, an absolute buffoon can become a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. It, it's, it's just, it's mayhem. I don't, I wouldn't encourage anybody to, to go into this business at all. And if you do be prepared to dedicate your life to it, if you want to see any kind of success, because it could take that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I don't feel, and some other, some actors feel, you know, how they feel it's, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I don't really feel competitive with my colleagues. I I think they're great. And I think that what they're doing just inspires me to want to do more. And when one of my colleagues reaches out and says something really encouraging or supportive, you know, it makes me cry. It makes me well up in tears that, you know, that they're noticing and that they take the time to say like, hey, you're really great in that or whatever. You know, they see me in something and they actually take the time to reach out. And, and, you know, it's one of your colleagues. You're like, that's really fucking cool. Um, I think that, you can attract more bees with honey and it's much more important to, to be supportive and, and to, to, to emanate that kind of positive energy. Like, yeah, man, fuck. Yeah. You go, you do it, you go, you know, because then it's like, Hey, if they're doing it, I can do it too. And then we're all doing it. And then it's all, it's just a lot more fun. Um, so I, I know a lot of women and men in the business that, that feel that way, but, but some people just don't, you know, they, they, you know, and that's the way LA is. So they act to your face. Oh, hi. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they turn around. They're like, I hope she dies on the way home. You know, like, uh-huh. a, you know, I hope she has an audition tomorrow. Fuck her. You know what I mean? I hope she fails. You know, I, you know, it's like, oh, she's got, she's doing something else. You know, it's like, that's what social media can get so vicious because it gives people the platform, you know, to, to speak their mind in their, yeah. you know, for their computer in their dark room where they're not, you know, face to face with this human being. But, um, yeah, it's I the entertainment business is is the worst business in the world you could possibly go into. There's no guarantees and and it doesn't matter how good looking you are or not because they could be looking for someone who's not looking. You know what I mean? That it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how educated you are, it doesn't matter how much you've studied, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Everybody's fucking talented. You know what I mean? Like everybody has something to offer. Like that whole that oh, they're talented. Like I hate that when you see in fucking interviews people talk about, "Oh, she's so talented." You're like, "Yeah, and?" That's like a fucking prerequisite. That's like that's like <laughs> get into fucking that's Let's like trying to get into fucking. Say. It's trying to get into. That's like trying to get into a four-year university without a fucking high school diploma. It ain't happening. I mean, that's a fucking prerequisite. Okay, sure. like I hate that shit. So it's like I. <laughs> yeah. the, the the entertainment business is, is horrible. Is a horrible business, and it's 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 filled with horrible people. But 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 the flip side is you can help heal and inspire the world with your art. You know, you can help really help people. And so, you know, there's, there's the, the grass is always greener on the other side and there's the, you got to take the bitter with the better, right? 
Right, right. So had you met, uh, did you know Eben Magar at all before this? No, I met him in the first day I was hired. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I didn't audition for that role. That was a referral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've known Eben for a long time. I consider him a friend of mine. He always looks mad. <laughs> I think he's a sweetheart. I mean, he is, he I is but he looks mad. mad but yeah. He always looks mad. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. You Maybe know, not I, so um, much now that he's vegan. I think he's a little happier now. <laughs> I mean, he, we, we had a great time. He was always very happy on set. He didn't lose his shit and go crazy about anything. He, you know, he was very jovial and fun. I mean, he was very serious, but I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more serious when I'm working. I'm the most serious motherfucker on the set when I'm working. So someone who's serious, I really appreciate that because movie making is hard. So like, let's focus and do our job and get it done and not fuck around and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like I, I want to, you know, we're, we're making something that you want, you know, you want to last here that people are going to actually see. And I felt his passion for this project and the fact that like he, you know, he wanted to get this right. And I was totally down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be seeing it in a, in a, God, it's next week at a mad monster in Charlotte. So it's, it's been a little while since I've seen him. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that because <laughs> sadly he didn't make his own uh, premiere in LA. I know he wasn't there. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. When he wasn't there, I was like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, damn it. Well, uh-huh. when you see him, hug him and jump up and down a little bit and say that's from Victoria DeMar. <laughs> I will indeed. I will indeed. And uh, you mentioned Chris Ott. I, I know Chris Ott for a long time, too. Had you known him? And well, you probably didn't know him either, I wouldn't think, because he's not, not normally out in LA. Yeah. No, no. Uh, you know, he, I think he was the first person who greeted me when I walked in and introduced me to Eben and, and then, you know, it was, I was into, to, uh, you know, makeup and wardrobe. It, I, I had a wonderful time working with them. Um, Chris is a great person to work with. I mean, he, he's, he's again, very calm, uh, very peaceful, jovial on set, like, you know, serious and focused and getting things done, but like a, just a really nice, you know, energy and, and just really good people to be around. Yeah. And, that and he really and he has he helps. has a great yeah go on I'm sorry I was just gonna say that really helps when you're shooting a movie about death and destruction <laughs> and dying right, right, and survival right. and murderer and fucking you know insanity <laughs> it really really helps when like you're working with a group of people who are like really good people and like nice calm peaceful positive good people because it, you kind of need that. <laughs> And he has a small role, but he really nails the uh, his dialogue. He has great delivery, I have to say, in the dialogue in the scene in uh, Hanukkah. Yeah, that was a great scene. You, 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 that that movie had to have those moments of comedic relief because, like, I mean, you were there. Mm-hmm. You could hear a fucking pin drop in that fucking theater. I started fucking screaming out at one point because I was just <laughs> like, fucking A. Like, like, you could hear a pin drop in that fucking mm-hmm. thing. I mean, people were either with their mouths were agape or they couldn't believe what they were seeing and they're just staring or some people were crying or terrified. I mean, it was, people weren't even breathing in that fucking theater. So it was like, you need, you had, I mean, so many moments that Sadie had were just absolutely hysterical. Chris's scene, I mean, you had to have Sarah's uh, work. You had to, you had to have that because it was just, otherwise it would just be like, Jesus, this is too much. I can't watch this. This is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know you don't have si- uh, scenes with Sid Haig, but um, being in LA for, for so long, did, do you have any interaction with Sid? Did you know Sid at all? Only at conventions. You know, I'd only yeah. met him and, and said hi at conventions. Um, I did not get to work with him on set. We were not scheduled on the same days. And um, 
uh, he was at the the rough screening when they were working on it a year ago, which I was out of town again. I couldn't attend. Um, so I was really, 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 really upset that I wasn't able to attend that screening because then he passed on and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. So, um, uh, you know, or, you know, you know what I mean? Just to see him again before he, before he, he passed on. But, um, I mean, his career is, you know, phenomenal. It speaks for itself. Uh, his performance in the film is uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I think some of his best work. I agree. He's, he's, yeah, the, we get, uh, the stuff with Sid is, is amazing in it. And you can see, um, you know, he's not necessarily doing very well, but he's giving it his all and uh, it fits perfectly for the role, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's sad to see him, but it's perfect for the movie. Yes. I mean, he, he, he was perfect in that role. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you know, you probably don't know this, but he was our first ever guest on the show. So he means a lot no. without your head. Yeah. Oh, Sid, I hope you are resting in peace and loving the other side, man. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So it might not have been without your head if we had someone else and then they were terrible, a terrible guest or something. But Sid was, a. Uh, it was a little, uh, you know, nerve wracking. The first guest on the show in 2006 <laughs> is Sid Haig, but he was like totally down to earth and just a very nice guy. So it went very well. That was the first year I was on, too, I think. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so have you been in L.A. for 20 years? I have. And it's, uh-huh. it's horrible. It's, <laughs> me out. it's an ongoing theme here. <laughs> oh, I feel like I've been, I've done my time here, man. I've done it. I've done it. I went out. Oh, the traffic is so unbelievable. Let me be one to get off the road and get out of here. <laughs> What kind of a what kind of effect does that have you on a uh, on you as a person living in LA for twenty years? Oh, it's horrible! It's horrible! <laughs> it's a it's a horrible place to live. Um, yes, it is a dry climate. Yes, it is mostly sunny most of the entire year round. Um, it is a desert climate, though. It'll it'll drop thirty five to forty five degrees at night and be freezing fucking cold. And because it's a dry heat and there's no humidity, <laughs> it, you can feel it in your fucking bones. Okay, I like a little fucking humidity. I can stand a little wet, especially when it gets so when it when the when it's such a severe temperature drop like that. It's not like it's twenty degrees. Forty five mm-hmm. degrees is quite a drop um, from from your daytime high temperature. So that sucks. Uh, the fact that it doesn't even hardly rain here is just, it's horrible. It's so dry that like, I don't know, like my, I've noticed in my hair and my skin, my nails and everything and living here is just, uh, it's just the, I, I don't, I, I'm not into the dry climate. I know that some people are, but I'm not. So that's sucked. Um, people are completely transient. You know, they come out and they think they're going to be Tom Cruise and, or Marilyn Monroe in a year or two. And they just taken up the road and working in Starbucks. And then they figure, well, fuck this. I'm not getting anywhere. And they leave and go do something more enjoyable and more pleasant. Um, uh-huh. So that sucks because it's just really hard to make friends because people are mm-hmm. in and out, you know, so quickly, you know, see them again. And, and working as an actor and an artist, like I'm doing different jobs and different work all the time with different productions all year round all the time and it's like you meet people and you're working on this production or whatever and it's like those it's like your work friends it's like my work friends is like a pool of like hundreds of fucking thousands of people you know what i mean right, right, yeah. because you're working with so many people all the time and then you create that bond you work on a production and then it's over and then you know, I go through a post-production, you know, depression just about every month working on something where, you know, you, you work on this and you work with these people and then, you know, it's on to the next. Um, 
but uh, there's no sense of community in LA. Um, everybody is very self entitled that they're the next Justin Bieber and that they're this and they're that and that they have this and that to offer. And there, there's no respect for, for one another. There's no community here, sense of community. Um, it's not a city. Yes, Los An there is a downtown Los Angeles, which is the city of Los Angeles, but it's really Los Angeles County when people are talking about Los Angeles which is like the, 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 the entire fucking county is like the city that they're talking about there. So there's no really central spot or place or, um, you know, it's not an urban environment at all. If you like suburbs, you know, move to LA because that's really where you're moving to. It's not, it's not a city environment at all. Um, I'm an urbanite, so that's, that's difficult for me. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really difficult to, to date and have relationships here. I don't generally talk about uh, personal information, but just, you know, as a, talking about, you know, life for 20 years in Los Angeles, it's, it's incredibly difficult to have, uh, successful, healthy relationships in Los Angeles. I've, yeah. I've lived in different countries and different cities, uh, you know, and I've, Los Angeles has been my least favorite place, um, that I've lived in. Why is that? Is it people are jealous if you're working with other people or why is it that it'd be hard to, to have a relationship? Oh, you know, I mean, it could possibly be my profession, but mm -hmm. I, I have sought, um, you know, other groups and communities of, of people to, to interact with and associate with outside the entertainment business. And it's not any easier in, in the other people who have other professions and careers either. Um, I don't know. There's such a sense of like pretentious, superficial, just entitlement here that like, like as if nobody exists else in the world except them and every, everything should be just for them. Like it's an incredibly selfish environment and you, you can't be in a successful relationship if you're selfish. Mm -hmm. And do you have to, as an actor, do you have to not be selfish, but do you have to have uh, an element of that? Like, you know, so, so you're on uh, social media and you, you know, obviously you're going to promote yourself, self-promotion. So even if you hate social media, you have to use it. So, yes. Is that hard to deal with? Because you I mean you got to you have to post pictures of yourself. It it could come off maybe you were being you know uh, thinking a lot of yourself. I don't mean you personally. I just mean in general. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, social media is a pain in the ass. I fucking hate social media. I loathe <laughs> social media, and it's very time consuming. Um, it's it, it's very time consuming. You have all these different platforms, and it's free promotion. So if you have a business, something to sell or something to promote. You're a fucking idiot for not using it because it's free. You sign up with an email address. And so I think that, you know, it's imperative um, to my business to to use it and to, to interact um, with fans and whatnot. You can connect with people, with other people in the business. Um, you can procure work. But um, it's very difficult dealing with social media. It's very time consuming to be on so many different platforms so much every single day, multiple times a day. Even when you have people assisting you and helping you, um, you're still checking things out. You're still going and looking at them and making sure everything was posted right and everything or, you know, whatever. It's still and time and energy and um, it, it takes up so much of every day. And it, it you know, when your product is you, it, for it to come off as being, you know, self-absorbed, that, that kind of doesn't make any sense. Right, um, right. So I, I don't think people see it as that. It, it just, and it's just social media is a platform that enables, you know, the, the haters and the naysayers to just, you know, 
on in Niagara Falls their fucking negativity on your shit. And I and <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's just so bad. And negativity is just so toxic. It can lead to death. Period. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. You know, I just I'm just so against it. Yeah, I agree with that 100. A lot of people who listen to the show or follow me is. You know, I lost a lot of weight and uh, got healthier and definitely getting rid of, of negative people and negative things uh, help my uh, not just physical uh, well-being, but definitely my mental well-being. It really is, is draining. And congratulations on your transformation, by the way. You look amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I that feel was, amazing, too. That was such hard work. And I just congratulations and, and kudos to you and keep going. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's very nice of you to bring up. To mention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, before I do forget, though, because you mentioned about the rain, and when I was in L.A., it actually did rain, and I we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard, and I was just slip. I could barely, I had to walk real slow because I was just sliding everywhere, and my friend Michael, he said, that's because they never washed Hollywood Boulevard, so when it rains, it's like full of all the, the just the dirt and the oil, and, and I yep. think there was something to that, because I, I couldn't, I had to walk like a little man, it was like kind of embarrassing. Yes, it, it, it's disturbing the 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 lack of any kind of seasonal anything that happens out here. Any kind of precipitation, it hardly ever rains. Um, you know, and like you could get like you could come out and like move out here and perpetually like feel like yeah, baby, like sunshine in California, and you're like you feel like you're on fucking vacation, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, a year just went by. What happened? You know, and like you 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 could get lost in this time warp because there's. There's no seasonal change. It's just the sun's either shining or it's overcast or it's mostly shining and then it's overcast and then it'll rain maybe four weeks of the entire year. And that's it. (laughs) And then it's just either it's really, really, really fucking hot where you feel like you're going to die. And then at night you're freezing. You're freezing to death. So that's the weather in Los Angeles. People are like, oh, don't you love it? I moved you for the weather. Man, if you're moving somewhere for the weather, you must be a fucking billionaire. Because I don't know who the fuck moves anywhere for just the fucking weather. Most people move to where they work and where they need to work. Um, You know, people are like, oh, yeah, I came out here for the weather. It's like, uh, okay, so... And what are your aspirations in life again? Oh, just to watch the sunshine that's going <laughs> to be warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was when I first got there too. He, uh, Michael and Sophia, who I stayed with. They said, "Now you got to remember, like you said, does it rain in L.A.? So if you see a puddle, it's not <laughs> from like the sky. So avoid it because it's from it's something you don't want to like step in." I was like, "Oh, good okay." Advice. Yeah, Very there's also good a lot, of, also a lot of poop, which. Which was was I, I've never seen so much poop everywhere. But. You know, people would 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 talk about like I'm a, I'm originally from the East Coast and from New York, and people uh-huh. fucking talk about how like oh New York is so disgusting, it's so dirty. I have never seen more. I fucking grew up there. I have never seen more filth and shit and homeless people <laughs> just fucking laying all over the place where you're like stepping over them in my life than I have ever seen anywhere. Other than Los Angeles, it is it's disgusting when you when you drive downtown, you're starting to drive downtown into like the city area. God forbid you have to go down there. Um, It you one time I'm like, did I step in something? I through the air conditioning vents. I was getting the smell of urine from driving on the fucking freeway to drive downtown (laughs) to Los Angeles. Holy (laughs) shit, man. It doesn't smell like urine in New York, brah. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah yeah i'm in massachusetts uh i'm in cape cod so it's Absolutely. a tiny town but but when i go up to boston the same way it's it's not uh, even if you go to not the greatest areas it's not it's not that filthy 
No, Los Angeles is the fucking toilet. <laughs> so I want to bring this up. It's very cool. Uh, Beyond the Law with Steven Seagal. That's going to be cool to be in a, in a Steven Seagal movie. And you even made the trailer, which is very cool. I did. And one of my pop songs also made the film. Oh, really? Well. Oh, that's yes. really awesome. Yeah, I have a co-starring role in the film. You can see me in two scenes, one dancing, one acting. And then I have a third scene with one of my pop songs, Wandering, from my first uh, debut album, self-titled Victoria DeMar. So um, check it out. I'm I'm credited underneath rap star 50 Cent in the fucking credits. I'm which I'm like, OK, um, that's fucking awesome. I'm yeah, I'm a fan. Um, he is a huge world renowned star. So I'm I, I, I can't even believe that my music also made music uh, of his that was in this film. I'm a huge Steven Seagal fan. So any Steven Seagal haters out there can suck my fucking dick and lick <laughs> my balls because the man is a fucking icon. So have some fucking respect. Um, I love him. I think that he's great. This was kind of like a comeback kind of like film for him. Um, you know, he had gotten in some shape. He had gotten off his tush and back in action with his, you know, mastery of Aikido, which I've studied. Um, I, I love him. It's a great film. Everybody is amazing in the film. Everybody does a phenomenal job. Um, James Colin Brusick was the director who is a dear, oh, really? friend. I didn't yes. know that. dear friend and colleague of mine. Uh, Chad Law wrote the script. Um, it, it, it's amazing. Um, it's a real fucking action, fucking like, like better than like 90 style, like action. Like if you liked, if you're a Steven Seagal fan, you're going to fucking love this fucking film. Um, everybody does, everybody does, does a wonderful job and I'm thrilled because it, it had played in, in, uh, in 20 cities in 11 different countries. And I had never had my work as an actor, dancer, or, uh, an artist and songwriter, any of my music whatsoever in, in such a wide, uh, release. Um, so I was really, really, really grateful to James Colin Brussett for, for that amazing opportunity. Um, it's, it's out now, you know, we can rent it on demand. It's, it's streaming. Uh, it's downloadable. The, the DVD and Blu-ray is out. Uh, Amazon, Target, Walgart, uh, Walmart, uh, Best Buy, all, all, the, all the stores where you like to collect. So, uh, so please do check it out. Um, I, I'm, I'm really very proud of this film and, and very proud and incredibly grateful to have been included. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know James a little bit from from having him on the show and and you know just talking about social media. So I didn't know he directed that. That's that's pretty wild. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. they have some really awesome. Um, they did a collector's edition poster, like a retro poster of of the film, which is really really beautiful. Uh, James was was signing some of them, and I don't know that he was actually selling them. Um, but I'm sure that you, that you can purchase them, but, um, it, 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 it was just so awesome to get a chance to work with him. I'd known him for many years. We'd been friends and colleagues and wanted to work together. And this just happened to be, um, just the opportunity to do it. And, and I was so grateful because I, again, I was a huge, I was a huge Steven Seagal fan from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think anyone who's around in the nineties, if, if you say you weren't a Seagal fan, you're probably, you're probably lying. Probably totally lying, and he had some hard times, just like everyone did, you know, with all kinds of shit going on in his life, and weight, and drugs, and alcohol, and food, and relationships, and I mean, that's life, baby. Everybody goes through all that, and if you say that you're that you're not, you're lying, because you're probably going through most of, you're probably dealing with those issues either if not all of them some of them everybody mm -hmm. does so you know when people are like oh you know that they're the, he's over and shit like that bullshit he's over he's got a film in theaters <laughs> worldwide bitch so I, I you know he he's far from over
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's yeah, that's awesome. I see the uh, the poster you're talking about now. It's very cool. Yes, it is very cool. Very, very cool. I'm I'm unfortunately not on the poster, but I am. There were two versions of the trailer, and uh, the um, distributor's cut and James's uh, cut, the director's cut, and I actually made both thanks to distributor and james colin Bresick. thank you so very much yeah and i don't know if you know this but you're also the thumbnail on the uh, video on imdb that is fucking awesome am i uh, really I think, that's awesome. yes you are there's the there's two of them a trailer i think it's two different trailers and uh, one of them uh, you're the uh, the thumbnail god damn that's fucking awesome <laughs> 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 yeah, I I agree. I agree. I'm happy after, for you. <laughs> maybe after 22 years, I won't kill myself, and I will keep going because I think things are starting to happen. <laughs> very good. Very good. So I'll, with, I'll, I won't climb up to the Hollywood sign and throw myself off. All tonight. right. No, yeah. Well, good. I don't. I don't. I don't. Want, I don't want to see that happen. That would make me very sad. <laughs> so, uh, when did you uh, start doing music? Oh, man. Um, I, <laughs> I was blown away by a performance that my father and, uh, my late uncle did when I was like six years old. Um, and just harmonizing together and playing acoustic guitars, it blew my mind in a very significant way. Um, and had studied voice and music in, in school as a kid and whatnot and up and through college and started, auditioning for cover bands and shit like that, like in New York, like didn't have like a band or anything or wasn't like forming a band. It was just like, you know, going through the Village Voice and auditioning for, you know, real acts and groups that were already functioning and forming that were looking for vocalists, um, backup singers, lead singers, harmony, whatever, what have you. Um, and did that for many, many years, all different kinds of groups doing backup vocals and dancing for hip hop groups and 70s style, like rock anthem groups and punk rock groups. And um, well, not the not the not the backup dancing and backup vocals for punk rock for punk rock groups. I was lead vocals. Um, and all that shit for, for years and years and years. Um, and then I just got sick of being in bands because all bands break up, all bands break up and you're not Uh going to break up with yourself. So I was like, the solo (laughs) way is the way to go. And, um, I'm just completely obsessed with movies and, and movies and music to me go like peanut butter and jelly. Try and watch a film with no music whatsoever, no score, no songs, no sound effects, just the fucking dialogue and the fucking Foley. And that's it. Want, try and see if you can get through any movie without music. You're going to see how incredibly fucking different the experience is. So I just um, I started writing songs for movies um, with the late, great uh, Grammy-nominated uh, songwriter and producer, Kim Fowley, um, uh, in 2010, 2011. And um, just started working with him at the time in the studio, like for almost two years, um, every day, five days a week. Uh, Kim would try and get in six or seven if he could, but most of the other studios, the engineers would be like, fuck you, I need a day or two off. Because <laughs> um, he was just an absolute uh, workaholic, just completely um, passionate about what he did till the day he died. And I, I just had this amazing experience working with him and just... Um, just have been so like my great greatest passion has really always been music and um just 
my feelings and thoughts that, that, that music is really the only way to bring the world together as a global community. Because even if you can't speak the language and don't understand the lyrics, you still get the feeling of the music. You still get mm -hmm. the feeling of the sound of the vocals that you're hearing. And you still get the energy and the vibe and the message that that song is saying to you. And it still affects you and makes you feel or think a certain way. And I think that you can really help and heal and inspire people that way. So I think that that to me, in my opinion, is the only way to really bring the world together is through music. Where can people find your music? Oh, I'm everywhere, man. I'm all <laughs> over everywhere. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon, uh, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Deezer, whatever the fuck that is. I have radio. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, what Deezer all, is myself. You know, <laughs> you know, all, the, all those fucking digital music uh, streaming and downloading uh, services. You can also uh, go to my website, victoriademar.com. I have a whole music page and store page where you can buy um uh you can still get a limited edition co signed collectors well it's collector's edition now of my, my debut cd victoria damar um that was the first uh release in 2013 wow 2012 i think 2012 actually maybe it was okay. um of my own solo music uh all um written by by myself and my music partner michael Sean collin who's an incredible a film composer and the um, founder of the um, amazing EDM uh, group, uh, House Made of Dawn. So um, you got to check him out too. Um, I, I was really very proud of that that uh, album. So I, I still have CDs available of that. But everything else, all the other albums, I have four albums out now. They're all um, my own solo uh, music uh, produced, created, performed. Um, mm -hmm. everything, um, between myself and Michael Sean Collin, everything you hear is just two people. Um, and, uh, I just absolutely love working with him. We go together like peanut butter and jelly. My, my current album is from 2019 that was released in the fall of 2019. It's called fuck you. It's uh, a 12 track album and it combines nine different genres of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've played uh, music on, on various shows. Yes, and, uh, you have. Yeah, yeah, I dig your I dig your music, and uh, it's uh, cool. You get CDs. I'm I mean I grew up in the eighties, so I nineties, and it's weird that now like you can uh, there's really like a Best Buy doesn't even sell CDs. <laughs> I know. I was in fucking Target <laughs> over the like holiday. And I was looking for some DVDs, Blu-rays, and, and right. uh, CDs in the music section. And the music, I was like, what? And I had to, I was like asking the salesman, where's the music section? The music section was like these four shelves, like in the corner of this one like aisle where they had some <laughs> vinyl and uh -huh. a few CDs. And that was it. Yeah. I was yes. like, what the fuck? And it was like Britney Spears and like the Rolling Stones and <laughs> uh -huh. like fucking all the current I mean? hits. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all like, you know, that in there and the, and you know, Lord and fucking Billie Eilish and all that fucking bullshit. And and it was like, Well, huh, what is it? Like, first of all, what the fuck? And then it was like Aretha Franklin. It's like, what the fuck <laughs> is this selection? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what the hell? I mean, I I I grew up in the 80s and 90s as well. And the fucking, I still have CDs. And I still play my CDs. I still have a CD player. I still have a record player that plays vinyl. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a tape player that plays cassettes. I still have oh, some cassettes. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm a collector, so I, I like to to get and keep all that stuff. I have, I have so many DVDs and, and Blu-rays; it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I'm sitting here with a big stack of Blu-rays and DVDs right next to my head. <laughs> love it. Love right. it. I, I love having the physical copy. I agree. You know, when you're a fan, when you're a film fan and a collector, it's like you got to have it, man. It's like I watch, I mean, I'll watch some films and content and whatnot, you know, digitally on mm-hmm. my phone or iPad or whatever, or quote online. But, um, man, it's nothing like getting out that fucking Blu ray or DVD and popping that shit into your TV, man. I, 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 li- I like to have the actual physical disc. I still have some fucking VHSs. I still have a VHS player, believe it or not. I, I still have my... a lot of VHS, but I don't have a working VHS player to, to watch. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> VCR, I guess. VHS player. What the hell does that mean? But yeah. I know. <laughs> what, what am I even saying? VCR. I know. Like, oh, my God. I remember having, like, my family was one of the first families. I think we were the first family on my block to have a VCR. And it was, like, the fucking coolest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, because say the same way. And uh, we used to have to go to this place. No one will know, but it's uh, Curtis Mathis. It was like miles away to rent movies. And uh, I was a huge horror guy, even as a little kid. And so I get my mom to rent me Motel Hell and all these crazy nice. movies on the, in the magazine. And uh, yeah, it was nothing like watching. Uh, I mean, I know that's cliche. Everyone misses the the, uh, the video store, but it, it I mean, it was very cool to go to the video store and and look at the look at the covers and and find some crazy movie that you hadn't seen before. That was my favorite thing to do when I was a little girl. Besides, like making up like skits and dances and stuff like that in my room and acting out this dialogue of I don't even know what it was I was making up. <laughs> I like to go to the fucking videos. I was my yeah. favorite thing to do, and I always as a kid beeline to the horror section at uh, looking at the rows of all that artwork. Beeline. It was like, no, I didn't want. I want to rent any of that prisoners princess disney shit i went right to the fucking horror section because they, they the artwork was the best yeah we're definitely. like what is that i want to rent that what the hell? Mm-hmm. yeah definitely that would draw you in uh were your parents cool with you watching uh horror movies no not oh, at okay. all i wasn't i wasn't, uh, I wasn't supposed to see horror movies i was not allowed to see the exorcist i didn't see the exorcist until uh, man i may have been 18 or 19 and i was like why did i do it why did i watch it? why did i listen <laughs> yeah, to my parents yeah. for christ's sake i mean that traumatized <laughs> me absolutely traumatized me um idiot for not listening to my parents on that one but um uh, I mean, Jaws has terror. You know, I don't go in the ocean, man. I don't go in water. I don't. I, I respect the sea and Mother Nature and all that shit, but I do not go in water where I cannot see this bottom, especially the ocean. You, you, you'd have to pay me an obscene amount of money to get me on a boat. I mean, I don't. I fucking no. I Jaws. Steven Spielberg's Jaws fucked me up for eternally. I, I'm terrified of you know what was a puppet. You know, uh, the shark was a fucking puppet. But yeah. my mom's the same way. That's like the scariest movie to my mom. Yeah. Jaws. yeah, Jaws is hands down. Jaws and The Exorcist are my two favorite horror films mm. of all time. And, yeah, they're uh, amazing. I mean, they just they they will they a good horror film will fuck you up and traumatize you for life. <laughs> and they, you uh-huh. know, both of those films to do the do the trick. Yeah, Jaws was filmed near me. I live on the, oh on the Cape, God. so the islands are, are very close to me. Well, I, 
would not, I, I would I, like, I'll go, like when I go to the beach, like I'll, I'll get like my feet, like, you know, my, my ankles or whatever. I'm really, <laughs> really short, you know? So it's like, I'll, oh. I'll get up to my ankles and oh, it was too much. you get me up to my knee. You'll be lucky to get me up into my knees in, in the fucking ocean. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was opposite though. She was totally fine with me watching uh, whatever movies I wanted to watch, but and I, I turned out fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you sure did, nasty Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm making I'm making her proud here. Yeah. yeah, she even signed like a thing where it was okay for me to rent R-rated movies. Like you had to actually <laughs> sign like a a paper. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah, I still I don't think they would let you do NC. Well, I don't think there was NC seventeen uh, out at that time, but no. Yeah, we used to. Have, my best friend when I was little, growing up, we used to have to have her older brother uh, rent us uh, the the R rated films. He'd be able to rent the R rated films. We'd have to rent us, and and, it, and we were always terrified and screaming. And I was I, I still watch horror films like through my <laughs> you know fingers and through my hands and stuff like that. I I, I still do. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So uh, when you got into act into acting, was it your goal to to be in horror films? You know, I always just loved horror films so much um, as a kid. I, I, I kind of almost couldn't believe it when I started to work in films, horror films. I was like, Man, this is fucking awesome, because these were the films that I loved. Um, the genre that I loved when I when I was a kid, always horror and thriller and sci fi and fantasy adventure. Always. Um so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was the, the most awesome thing in the world. Um, uh, I mean, you get a little of everything in horror movies. Yes, it's the horror genre, but, you know, you get the horror and the terrifying and the scary. But then you get the comedy. There's always comic relief in there and you get you get mystery in there. You can get a love story in there. You can get you know, you get it all. You get drama. There's conflict. I mean, I, I, I think horror really, um, really, really does it all. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think people's perception of horror has changed over the last few years? I think it has, and I think that that's good. I think that, um, you know, horror on the mainstream A-less studio level always proves at the box office every time when they're, if not the horror film that's opening that week is not the number one film, it's in the top five. Um, the, 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 the amount of success that these studios make from horror films, they, they're always interested in making a horror film because they know the obscene amount of money and profit they're going to make from, from the production. They, it is hands down worldwide, the most popular genre of film. And, and it proves it every time when you see a horror film opening at the box office, it's always at the very top. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned zombies a long time ago, but I always think it's weird that zombies have become so mainstream. When I was I a kid, like you know, only weirdos like zombies. Now, like you, can, if you go to Walmart, you can see like a zombie, like sh- like a shirt in the kids section or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah. No, I was talking about zombies because that's how Sadie and I met. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We were lesbian zombies though from mm. outer space. There's a from outer space. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you make the, the, the yeah this distinction. Yes. Not just lesbian zombies, but from outer space. From outer space. <laughs> It just you happens know, to be my, my thing. So I have to And when we were making that movie, like every fucking person that I'm told that I'm sure that she told as well, <laughs> who was like, what are you working on? Lesbian zombies from outer space. Every motherfucking person that I told that was like, oh, I totally see that. When's that coming out? <laughs> every motherfucking person. And not just every guy. But every guy was right, like, oh, right. yeah, I'm going to fucking wear I'm going to pre-order that right now. Like, that. <laughs> You know, that was a given. But even, you know, film fans, women also were like, what? I want to 
when is that coming out? You know, like everybody wanted to know. And, yeah. uh, but it, it's a, it's a really awesome comic book. The, the artwork's amazing. I'm going to look this up. I'm very, I am interested. Yes. It's very awesome. Yeah. So I saw a short you were in where you play like a killer teddy bear. Yes. Very fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was actually um, a, it was the featured creature on Crypt TV's featured creature that they do each week or whatever on their, on their channel. Um, it was actually my second episode on Crypt TV. Um, same filmmaker, actually a young filmmaker by the name of Alexandra Neary, who is amazing. And um, I, she always cast me in these unrecognizable roles and I just worship her for it because those are my favorite things to play where you don't even know, where you're just completely lost in it. And it's not yeah. just the prosthetics and the costume and stuff like that. In, in the other role that I played, I played a um, demonic uh, child, cre- creature, fucked up child or whatever. And um, in other words, there, w- there was some pretty heavy makeup and prosthetics and stuff like that and, and crazy wardrobe and whatnot. But I just love those roles where you just completely disappear, where people are like, that's you. And, and like, you're like, yep, read the credits. There's the proof. There's my fucking name. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yes, that is me. That I just, those are my most favorite roles to play. So when she was like, yes, you're going to be this teddy bear. We're going to do, do you know that nursery rhyme? And I was like, no, I don't know that nursery rhyme. She <laughs> teddy bears or whatever. I was like, no, I don't know like, oh, she was like, it's really popular in the UK. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she started to sing it a little. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, when you go down to the... I was like, oh, right, right. Yeah, I've heard that. She was like, yes, there's going to be those, like, you know, we're going to be bears or whatever. And and then I was I, I was like, okay. And I, was, I didn't realize at the time when she was pitching me the idea of taking this role that... um that it was really going to be like full on face, <laughs> like gluing fucking hair to your fucking face, which was ho- fur to your fucking face, which was horrible. I had a whole new respect for what my cat goes through with all that <laughs> fucking hair on your face, man, uh-huh. getting in your eyes. I mean, it inevitably it, it gets in your eyes, even if it's nowhere near your eyes. And <laughs> oh man, it was so many hours of putting all this shit on your head and face and everything, gluing all this stuff on all this hair. And then the suit, and the suit was really fucking heavy. And like, there were so many like layers to it. And of course we're shooting like in the middle of August in like Bel Air, Los Angeles, where it's in, up in like woods where it's hot as fuck. And in this fucking suit, it was, it was insane. Um, it was so much fun. It's called the teddy bears picnic. Um, you can, you can just go to YouTube and go to Crypt TV's channel there. They also have a, uh, I think their most popular channel is their YouTube channel, but they do also have a channel on Facebook as well. Um, all their featured creatured episodes, um, are really, really awesome. So subscribe and check them out. But, um, the last I looked, the episode had well over 650 views, streams or whatever. So, um, so it's really, really awesome. And my episode from which was 2018 um, was had has well over 2 million. So check oh, it wow. out. Um, the, the first episode. Thank you. The first episode was almost called the innocent. Um, and uh, the second one is uh, the teddy bears picnic. So um, you can also go to, again, go to my website, Victoria and you can, you can click on links to all those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing festivals the last couple of years, movie festivals and, and things like Crypt TV. It seems like uh, shorts have, uh, have grown in popularity. 
Yeah, because in a streaming service like Crypt TV, all those little, you know, short films that are, you know, seven and ten minutes long become TV episodes and all this great streaming content for their TV channel. So it's really um, it's just it's just perfect. You know, I've gone to more and more festivals over the past couple of years myself and the short programs of films, short films that are actually, you know, 20 minutes and 30 minutes yeah. in length are screening as well. Um, so it's really, really great. I think if you are any kind of interested up and coming filmmaker that you should absolutely start with a short, um, you know, you can make one that's five, seven, you know, under 10 minutes and submit it to Crypt TV and have a massive credit on your, on your resume for, for a Crypt TV episode from making a short film, um, you know, that becomes an episode for their service. So, and, and so many festivals that, you know, you can get your project out there, getting it seen, it could win awards. And then, you know, there's the, the film community goes to film festivals, all film festivals, and there are so many worldwide. So, I mean, you know, get, get your, you know, ideas down on, on paper and, and make those short films and, and submit them because there's absolutely a demand for, for short film projects. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have my own short film on uh, the festival scene now. It's won a bunch of awards. I'm very excited about that. It's not horror related, but it is. It's all. It's cool. And but that's you mentioned amazing. you know, congratulations. See, thank I, you. I, it's exactly what I was just talking about. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I, I am very proud of it. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anyone would care about it, but people seem to like it, so it's very cool. That's and, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, what's going to say? Was, oh, you said about twenty to thirty minutes. It does seem like. You know, you say short, it could be anywhere from just a couple minutes to maybe even almost 40 minutes. It seems like uh, length, like uh, runtime isn't necessarily as important on right. uh, festivals, except for if you go really long, I think, because that makes it like if you have like an over two hour movie, because that makes it hard to uh, to, you know, book with other films. Absolutely. I was in a short, um, a horror short called The Crossing um, that I, I starred in and as well as one of my songs was uh, in the film and also the end credit and um, Thomas Haley's film, uh, The Crossing. And I mean, it played in so many festivals for like, a, I think it played in festivals for like two years almost or a year, uh, 18 months or something. I mean, it was just playing at every fucking film festival, not every, but almost that he was submitting it to and it was just getting uh, you know screenings and being nominated and winning awards for so many different categories is just it's just awesome and i think the length of that film was about 18 minutes no oh, nice yeah have you ever thought of uh you writing or directing your own thing um yes um i have i have some ideas for some projects that 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 i'd like to do um absolutely yeah um i had produced i had pro- excuse me produced a short film that i had starred in called um loving Graham parsons um, that was available for a long time, uh, to order on my website, um, uh, on, as DVD, but I didn't, I submitted to a couple festivals, um, and I'd gotten like three festivals right off the bat and gotten like rejection, bam, bam, bam. And at the time, like that wasn't really my focus to just completely, you have to divulge yourself into the whole process of getting into film festivals and the submission fees can get very, very expensive. So it's like, you really kind of have to pick and choose. And it's like, you have to really dedicate like a, a plan and time, you know, to, to do that. And that kind of becomes, you know, like what you're doing. And I just, I just didn't, I had gotten like three rejections right off the bat. And I was just like, I, I don't want to spend any more of my money on this because I was <laughs> yeah. doing so many other things at the time. So I just pressed it on DVD and was just, you know, selling it off my website. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool though. Cause, uh, there are platforms now it used to be like after the festival run, uh, a short would just kind of disappear. Cause there'd be yeah. no, you couldn't sell like a, you know, a 10 minute DVD or something. 
Exactly. Yeah. And now with so much digital content, I mean, your, your film can be out there other than just, you know, film festivals, which is so great. Uh, how has that uh, affected your career as, as an actor, the rise of the streaming networks? Um, it's really fantastic because it creates more content. There are more shows, there are more films, there are more people doing more. So I, I think it's really great. I think yeah. it's really great. And um, I think that as far as opportunities go for different you know, genders and different genres and, and different ethnicities, I mean, the opportunities are out there because I see it every day in the casting notices. So, um, you know, if people were thinking that things weren't fair, I mean, I look at it every fucking day looking for work. I look for work every single day of my life. I don't care what I'm looking working on. I'm also looking for work at the same day at the same time. And um, it's just, it used to be all ethnicities, all ethnicities, all ethnicities, no male or female, all ethnicities. And now it is specifically only asking for men and, and gay and transgender. And they want every different ethnicity other than Caucasian, actually. So the, the tables have really turned and there really are a lot more opportunities for everyone. Mm -hmm. So um, what are you working on currently? Uh, I'm working on a film called The... Uh, the, I guess I'm, I'm able to say American Hun Story. <laughs> I don't get you in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a comedy. Um, it's a feature that I'm in. Um, and also I was commissioned to write um, one of the songs for oh, the that's film awesome. as well. So I was really, really excited um, about that. Um, so that is in post-production. Um, so we can look for that, um, coming out sometime this year. Um, I was also recently just commissioned to write, um, another song, um, uh, from another individual for another project, um, totally unrelated. And so it's really nice when people are reaching out to you, um, wanting to pay you to create music and to create songs. Yeah for specific projects and for specific genres. And I mean, if you wanted to reach out to me to commission me to write a song for just personal enjoyment, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. If you just want to add that shit to your music library and you want me to create a song for you. Um, you know, you just you give me the elements that you want, you know, done. So um, I'm just really, really focused on, on that right now, writing a lot of music um, for, for movies and some different projects. Um, and also my film, The Rideshare Killer, has just gone into post-production, and um, it's the film that I star in with uh, Eric Roberts and Tuesday Night. Oh, oh um, nice. Yeah, so I'm really, really excited about the film. Um, Ashley Scott Myers is the director, who's amazing, and... Um, uh, you know, if you if you they're looking for some finishing um, funding for post production and promotion of the film, so if you want to get involved in an Eric Roberts movie, I know a lot of people are big fans of his. I've always been a big fan of his. Um, I was just elated to work on this film with him. And uh, if you've ever wanted to get involved with Eric Roberts, not an Eric Roberts movie, since he has the he is the actor at this point who has the, the record of the most films that is made ever, you know, and not porno, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh -huh. his list is almost about like six or 700 titles right now. It's, it's really quite unbelievable. So if you want to get involved, um, on an Eric Roberts film, um, you can check out the rideshare and their Kickstarter campaign. There's, there's perks for even a $10 donation. So, the uh, the producers are amazing, and it's an amazing film, and I love Ashley, so um, check it out. Very cool. And uh, I should ask about him, 
is because uh, I see he's also in 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 uh, Ride Sh- Share Killer. Uh, James Balsamo. Do you have any James uh, Balsamo stories? I love James. I like James. I love James. James was my bo- my character's boyfriend in Hanukkah, uh-huh. and in the Rideshare Killer, um, he is also one of my characters. Name is Naomi's um, conquest. Let's just mm. put it that way. Um, that's our thing, James and I. That's our things. Like like we we always show up together we're together and have fake sex together, like on set. <laughs> like that's our thing. Like we always right, do that right. now. Um, I love working with him. Um, it, he's such a sweetheart. Uh, so much fun. A, a really great person and a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I do that with James too, but we've never been in a movie together. I don't know. It's man, no. you got to remedy that. Yeah, no, <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I was in a James Paul Salmon movie. Oh, awesome! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is very exciting. Uh, so this has been uh, it's been wonderful to talk to you again. This is the third time. You were on the very first year, 2006. Yeah. I, I looked it up, too. Now, I, now I'm, I've... Uh, it was... Um, I was going to bring up the movie. It was uh, for Werewolf and a Women's Prison. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. And you know what? To other fans or collectors out there, Dracula in a Women's Prison is coming out with a proper... Um, or is out now, I guess, with a, a proper DVD release. I guess they've, they've already done the premiere of that. Um, not the premiere of the film, but the premiere of the DVD release. They didn't have a premiere screening of the film, but um, check out Dracula in a Women's Prison because initially they were only doing a digital stream and download um, option to see the film, but now they have released a DVD and the um, final film in the trilogy, Frankenstein in a Women's Prison, will be released on on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, I believe this this year. I think they're actually doing a, a Blu-ray release as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Last time you were on, I actually brought up a a, a fourth movie that could happen. In, in my Ooh. opinion, it would be good, and that's Invisible Man in a women's prison because he could be doing stuff you don't see him. Yes, I love that, and I think there's all there was also an idea to do a mummy in a women's mm, prison, mummy in the, the women's prison, like the four Universal monsters. Um, yeah, and, that and the whole thing. Oh, I mean, I mean, the, you could go on and on with it. Um, <laughs> that was a, back that in was there, a, yeah. That was a very fun film series uh, to make. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, it's been great having you on, and we should do it again more often. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it, Nassiel. And I also did want to mention that um, I'm getting ready to go into production with Jim Towns on his next production, who I love, um, who uh, everyone should know from State of Desolation, um, starring Jamie Bernadette coming out this year, so hopefully. Um, So that I am in also with Maria Olsen and... uh, a lot of other um, amazing people, Jessica Morris, Craig Stark from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, Django and Chain. Um, so yeah, hatefully he was in also, he's one of Quentin Tarantino's guys. So, um, and that is an apocalypse zombie uh, horror adventure. So um, we'll be looking for that. So I'm very much looking forward to working with Jim uh, again on his new production. Very cool. Well, it was great to talk to you with you. Yes, thank you so much. And everybody should go to uh, the website and check out your pre-order status because Hanukkah is actually released worldwide mm-hmm. on Blu-ray and DVD. I think it's March 17th. It is. I actually had it in my, my notes here, but I don't believe I brought it up. Yeah, which is awesome. But but I believe they might be sending out some of the pre-orders this month. Oh, really? Uh, in in February. So um, so check it out, the hauntedkiller.com. And um, 
get get your pre-orders in because you you won't have to wait because I think there I think there's a rumor they're going to start sending some out this month. So um, there's all kinds of amazing merchandise uh, too from the film and vintage posters and and things like that. So do check that out. Excellent. I feel like I should give you a nickname here, like Vicious Victoria or something. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> So this is an excellent time, Vicious Victoria. <laughs> now remember that for the next enough. intro. Yeah. It's it's always nasty, Neil. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on, and thank you to everyone who tuned in, and uh, thank you to all the fans. Uh, I do it all for you. Awesome. Very good. Thank you very much. I'll have this up uh, either later tonight or in the more or sometime tomorrow. It'll be up in the next. <laughs>